Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of this new day you have offered for us. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us today and reveal yourself in this place. Lord, thank you for giving us this refuge where we can come and we can be encouraged and blessed, but also challenged, Lord. So we pray that this morning you would help us to lay down our sense of self-sufficiency, our self-righteous ways, and to put our trust in you. And speak to us, Lord, with your words of peace and your words of love, your words of mercy, and your words of joy. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning. It is so great to see you all today. Well, today is a great day. Thursday was not a great day, right? On Thursday, I was writing my sermon in an unusual place, right? Normally, I sit in my office Thursday afternoon and write my sermons. This Last Thursday, I was sitting in the hallway of the Nevada County Courthouse writing my sermon, right? Not the ideal location. It's surprisingly not designed for sermon writing. Um, You know, there are people moving all over the place and trying to focus was hard. But in addition, and there was, I wasn't at a desk, I was just sitting in a chair. Um, In addition, uh, Tara and I had been in this courthouse Well, we had gotten there just before 9 o'clock. We were testifying in a probation case that she and I had been witness to, um, something that had gone on that was a probation issue, and so we were there to testify in it. God bless you. And so we were there bright and early at 9, ready to do so, and we waited. And at 10 o'clock, what were we still doing? And at 11, what were we doing? And at noon, what were we doing? Well, we were out to lunch because they said we were going to have to wait till 1.30. So they were eating. Then at 1.30, what were we doing? At 2? At 3? At 4? Well, I was working on my sermon too, but at this point, we were still waiting, right? And at 4.45, we were called in. 4.45. And we spent about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes doing our testimony. And then by 5.15, we were out of there. Right? So life is a lot of waiting in it, doesn't it? Do you ever notice that? The, the military has a familiar phrase, right? It's called hurry up and Hurry up and wait, right? And we know this. It's not just in the military this occurs, right? Tonight I'm going to be getting getting on an airplane to go and fly and see my new niece in New York. And I'm going to rush down to the airport, and what will I do once I get there? Wait. Wait. And then I'll rush to get on the plane, and what will I do on the plane? Wait. Wait. And then I'll rush off the plane, and what will I do when I hit traffic in New York? Wait. Wait, right? That's life. It's life. It's all around us. Hurry up and wait. It's all there. It's all signs that like things don't work the way they ought to in this world. Later on that same Thursday, after we had been in the courthouse all day long, uh, we had another sign that the world was broken. And that was that on Thursday night football, the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right? What greater sign do you need to see that the world is broken than that that happens? All right. Sorry for you Browns fans out there. Well, not really sorry, but yeah. So, and it's on days like this, right? Like that last Thursday where I'm more acutely aware of my sense, of my yearning, right? For something new, for a transformation, for things to be different than they are. 
for no more suffering, no more strife, no more waiting, no more crime, no more death, no more loss. Right? I find myself just yearning for that. And so it's with great joy and anticipation that we look now at the Old Testament passage from Isaiah. Because in Isaiah, God gave that vision of hope to his people. The vision has since been the clear expression of the dreams of billions of people who have read this passage and thought, that is exactly what my heart is yearning for. And so let's jump right into this passage for today. And it begins with a bang, right? For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. This was a word of hope to, from God to his people. Uh, these were people who, interestingly, were still awaiting the exile that was coming. They were still, hadn't, ha that hadn't happened yet. And God is already given, giving them hope about restoration at the end. And more than restoration, there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth. New heavens and a new earth. But why would anyone want a new heavens and a new earth? This one's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's beautiful in so many ways and wonderful in so many ways, but it's also broken, right? It's sick and it's groaning. It's without a doubt a beautiful place to live, but it's also hurting. The world is filled with disease and pollution and death. You know, grizzly bears are beautiful, but what happens when you get too close? They eat you, right? Right? That is, that's this world we live in, beauty and danger. Tara and I were in Cozumel about a decade ago now, and we were staying on the leeward side of the island, which is, you know, that side of the island has this beautiful reef on it, which people come from all around the world to dive and look at the reef and the fish and the coral and all that goes on around it. It's beautiful. The beaches are manicured. The water's crystal clear. We rented a car one day and drove around to the windward side of the island, right? And granted, a hurricane had come through not long before, um, so things were still getting built back up again. But for miles and miles, we drove along beaches that were just covered with plastic, trash, right? Couldn't get in the water on that, that windward side. Right? And that is the world we live in, the duality of it. One side flotsam, the other side beautiful. Right? We're surrounded by that. Or take this place we live here. Right? It's gorgeous, the Mediterranean climate. We love it. It's, it's nice. We get rain when it should come, and then we get the summers to enjoy. But then we have this season right now. And what is this season? Fire season, right? Fire season. Where we live with this threat of fire. That's what the world offers, this duality of danger and beauty, just kind of juxtaposed with one another. And it's hard, it's stressful. It creates anxiety in our life or fear in our lives. And so God promises to create new heavens and a new earth, new skies and stars and planets and a new place for his people to dwell with him. And that is good news. And what's even better news is that not only will the sky and the earth be changed, but that his people will be changed as well. They'll not remember the pain or the loss of the former place. They'll not remember the former things, but their minds will be filled with new things. Do you ever wish you could forget some things? 
I mean, we forget lots of things, right? But do you ever wish you could forget some specific things in your life? Right? We just passed Veterans Day, and for many vets, there's quite a few things we wish we could forget. Right? Things we saw or did, we wish we didn't have to remember those. And they're not alone. I think the rest of us experience that in our lives as well. Things that have been said to us, things that we have said, things we've done or thought, right? That we wish we could just forget. We wish they could just be cleaned away like a slate being wiped clean. This new reality offers that. No more memories of failure or temptation or anger or sin or the way things were, but new hope. And the Lord God also proclaims in this passage, No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth. Now this is beautiful and good news, and we would love to live in a world like that where there's not that fear of, of death in life. But at the same time, it seems kind of different, right, than what we've been talking about with this new creation and new heavens and new earth. You know, you've got all this, and it sounds a lot like heaven, and then suddenly we're talking about only living a lifetime. Do you guys notice that switch in theme or sound or tone? So this seems to be speaking of some type of hope for the people of Israel that there would be an immediate fulfillment in the near future. Better times were ahead. Better times were coming. Times when you didn't have to worry about people dying so quickly. Times when people could live out their lives in peace. But this also for us, living after Jesus Christ's ministry on this earth, we can look at it and see this as a hope, as a hint of what is in the future for us. That life, eternal life, is there for us in the future. Similarly, we're told they shall build houses and inhabit them, They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. This image of permanence is so significant to have the protection and provision of God, to be established by him. The Israelites were facing exile, and yet here God was telling them that there was a time of permanence coming, a time when they would plant and be able to watch that plant grow to fruition, and they would be able to harvest that fruit themselves. This was their hope and the promise they were given. For me in my life, there's this, there's these strawberries that inhabit my memory. Not even my memory, my, my wishes of what I could have seen. When we were in seminary, we planted these strawberries, and they were supposed to be produce this giant strawberry fruit, right? And so we planted them, we watered them, we fertilized them, we waited for them to grow, and they did the first year and no fruit, right? Next year, they were growing, growing, you could see the fruit growing, and right as they were about to turn, what happened? We moved. We moved, right? And so those fruit loom in my, 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 like, memory, right? They're there somewhere, giant and delicious. But who's eating, who's not eating them? Me, right? 
me. I planted. I, was, I cared for them. Me and my family watched them grow, and then we didn't get to harvest. That sense of fulfillment is what God is speaking of here, right? That there will be fulfillment. Things will be as they should be. Now, even the animals in this future will enjoy this time. Well, every animal except which one? The snake, the serpent, right? And the serpent gets to eat dust in the fulfillment of the judgment or the curses in the Garden of Eden, right? That God is going to bring everything to completion. And that temptation will be dealt with. God will fulfill his plan. Now, so from the courthouse hallway to the football field, we live in a world that's not quite right. In so many ways, we live lives which are clearly touched by death, frailty, disappointment, failure, and at the very least, waiting. We've tried our best to make this world a better place, and our efforts have yielded some results, but also great tragedies. Internally, the story is the same too, right? I wish I could look at my past and not feel shame. You might be the same as me. I wish I could look at my present and not feel that as well. But here, this hope that is spoken of by God does not depend upon us. No, the very first line tells us everything that we need to know about who will carry out this beautiful plan. God says, for I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. God is clearly in charge. And that is a wonderful hope. It's a wonderful hope because when I'm in charge, when we're in charge, things turn out all right sometimes. Sometimes they don't. And even in the best of times, there's those, those failures kind of knit and woven into them, those ways that we fell short. But if it's in God's hands, it will be carried out to perfect completion. The challenge is, is these promises of God can seem an awfully long way off, can't they? The beauty of this hope, though, is that through Jesus Christ, this hope can be ours now today as well. It's not just in the sweet by and by when God will fulfill all of this, but God can create the new heavens and the new earth right here inside of us right now. Jesus Christ can take our brokenness, can take our failure, can take our sin, can take our, all the ways we've let down others and been let down. He can take all of that and remove it from us, and replace it with his perfect life, his perfect will. He can transplant our hearts with his own, and he can create also around us little spots of this new heaven and new earth, places like a church, or a place where people seek to love and care and serve one another, those are little glimpses of this new creation, this new heavens and the new earth. Now, this work has not begun by us mustering up a Herculean effort to do the right thing and get it all together, and then God suddenly identifies us as like 
kind of like a neighborhood association says like, oh, this house is really beautiful. We're going to put a plaque on it. That's not how God does it, right? He does it by taking what's broken, what's failed, what's empty and lost, and he redeems it for himself by his grace. We merely need to let Jesus in to do the work in our lives and to transform and redeem us and do this new work of creation inside of us and to make us a new creation. Let's do this today. Let's begin by praying. Lord God, we thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you that you are a God who takes what is broken and transforms it and redeems it. We thank you, Lord, that you don't just cast off what has failed or what has fallen short, but that you take those, you take us, Lord, And you allow us to turn over all of our failure to you. And, you. and you replace all of that, Lord, with your perfection and your love and your mercy and your righteousness. Lord, help us to allow you to do this. And may this work, Lord, not just be a work that's done once in our lives, but every day help us, Lord, to continue to walk in relationship with you and to continually be turning over ourselves to you, that you would help us to more and more each day have us reflect, Lord, this new creation that you have made in us. And Lord, we pray that you would send us out into this world as ambassadors, as people, Lord, who are willing to love and to sacrifice for others, people who are willing to serve and to care. Help us to be humble and to be kind and to be faithful, because ultimately we have nothing to stand on at the end of the day, nothing that we have done to stand on, but only upon your righteousness, which you have given us. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.